Welcome to Stories from A to Z with Mona P. I'm your host, Mona Pasanoff. Today's guest is Susanna Mueller, a published author, writer, fellow podcaster, and a good friend. Sue and I first met in a monthly Bloomingdale Library writing group several years ago. She was preparing to attend the annual Florida Writers' Conference to introduce her then-new book, Now I Swim. I admired her tenacity and commitment to sharing her story. Our paths continued to cross as we both volunteered with the Life Story writing classes at the library. Additionally, Sue took on the Listening Project, where she was responsible for recording the stories those of us had written for the Writer's Connection published book, I Have a Story to Tell. When I decided to start my podcast, I reached out to her for technical assistance. Quite honestly, without her generous nature and willingness to help, this podcast may never have come to fruition. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Sue. Hi, Sue. How are you today? Hi, Mona. I'm doing wonderful. And you? Excellent. I'm so glad you're here to be on my podcast. Oh, me too. Me too. It's going to be fun. It is. So let's start with you telling us a little bit about yourself. Where do you live now? How long have you been in Florida? So I was born in Cuba and I left when I was barely five years old. And like so many families, we left the island because of Fidel Castro. We went to Venezuela, spent there about four years, got our residency papers and came to the United States. Pretty much I grew up in Miami and then, you know, got married. When we had Rebecca and Zachary, we moved to Tampa because John became a vice president of beneficial finance and he opened Harbor Island. I am now retired from the electric industry and from a 32-year career, a very diverse career. I started in the lab as a chemist and went to environmental planning and then wound up as the emergency manager for the corporation. So a, a really, really incredible career path. So we've lived in Brandon for over 30 years. You are practically a native. I think I'm a Brandonian. Is that how you you would say it? (laughs) I never heard that before, but that's a good one. We're going to focus today on you as a writer. Can you talk a little bit about how long you've been writing, when you first started? Sure. I've been writing in one form or another for many years. And in my career path, I was doing a lot of technical writing. And then in the 90s, I wrote a science fiction book for preteens called The Mystery of Cassandra's Dream, a very long title. Did you publish it? No, no, but I'm hoping that I will. Back then, we were working off a floppy disk. You remember those? I couldn't use a floppy disk anymore. I have the manuscript, but I have to retype it. That's where I'm at with that. So I'm hoping that I will, I will publish it pretty soon. 
as you know, I launched the Green Plantain podcast about Cuban stories of people living on the island and people having made their home elsewhere because of the Cuban diaspora. So as of today, I have 35 countries listening, which is so incredible. So a lot of people have asked me, are all those Cubans living in those places? I don't know. I know that we all have relatives throughout the world. And so we tell each other about the podcast. I, I would assume that most of them are Cubans just living elsewhere. But it's so cool because we've got places like you think Norway, Sweden, that is such a cold place. New Zealand. Today we picked up the United Kingdom. So you think most most of the countries are South America. They're not. I've got Africa, Georgia. I mean, it's just really cool. It is. It really is. What do you most enjoy about writing? And do you have a regular writing practice? I love developing stories and and adding the senses and the descriptions to immerse the reader into the locale, if you will. I love writing late at night. I don't write every night. I really like prompts. So I'll ask my husband, I'll say, okay, give me a prompt. And so he'll just give me a word like pumpkin. And then I'll, I'll just start writing. So a lot of stream of consciousness writing. Really, really love to do that. I write poetry. I don't know if I'm any good at it or anything like that, but I did pull up a poem to see if you wanted to hear it. I think the audience would love that. Go ahead. Let's listen. Okay. I need to give you a backstory on this. I am the last of the grandchildren. So my mom was... 47 when she had me. I'm a, a child of old age. So I have cousins that are in their 80s. This particular lady, a first cousin of mine, uh, she passed away. Her name was Berta. And so when she passed away, I wrote this poem. She was bombastic. I mean, she was just an incredible character, right? Uh, she wore red lipstick and sunglasses. At one point in time, she came to visit us in Miami. And this is my recollection of her, which, by the way, the backstory is that when I was born, she made sure that she stayed at home to take care of me because she thought that my mom and her mom were just too old to take care of me. So <laughs> she always reminded me of that. The title is Red Lipstick and Sunglasses. Behind my door, I come to terms with my loss, the loss of you from this, our patch of soil. I find memories trapped in a file cabinet labeled with your name. The file drawer spills out your smiling face, red lipstick, and sunglasses. In the crimson armchair, you sit, high-heeled black shoe about to swing, following the arc of the nervous cross leg, and you say, Tia Marta, which was what she called my mom. Remember when? And your laughs blend and echo as though it was today. You welcomed me into this world, and yesterday I bid you farewell. I embrace you in warmth. Please know the file cabinet stays open until we meet again. Oh, Sue, that is so beautiful. Oh, thank you. 
Thank you. You do write beautiful poetry. And I know from being in writing classes with you and sharing all about our podcasts and reading for each other, you write with such description and movement and feeling. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's go into when did you first decide you wanted to write a book? (laughs) Okay, so I don't know if if my goal was to write a book or publish a book. I wanted to tell a story. One day I just sat down and I started writing. I think what I always envisioned was having the life of a writer, which to me didn't necessarily mean publishing. It meant getting up in the morning, sitting at a desk, and just writing whether it was prose or poetry or whatever. It was just having that kind of of life. So I'm living the dream, which is pretty cool. What is it that you love about it? What does it give you when you do it? I don't know that I can put it into words. It just makes me feel very calm. I love sharing. In essence, you know, I, I just think of myself as a storyteller. When I'm writing, I'm the best person I can be, I think. Today, we're going to focus on the Now I Swim book that you wrote and published. Can you tell us what it's about? Now I Swim is a story of how I overcame my fear of water, which, by the way, it took me 30 years. From the moment that I found I had an anxiety attack, I think it was age 22, And then I took lessons and lessons and lessons. It wasn't until age 50 that I found the method that helped me overcome my fear of water. I didn't start out thinking I'm going to write a a book about how to overcome my fear of water. I just wanted to overcome my fear of water and be able to do the things that everybody could do. Swim, do water aerobics class without having to worry, you know, if you're going to fall or if you're going to flip backwards or or whatever. The book is is my journey and how the changes that have happened to me have actually spilled into other parts of my life. I also have always had, and I didn't know this, a fear of heights. Not like flying, like being in a plane, but like going to the Grand Canyon. And wanting to throw myself in because the abyss was just sucking me in. As I became more aware of, I could overcome that fear and and heal it. The connection is that I had a fear of falling. And so when I was in the water and I looked down at the deep, I felt like I was going to fall into and just go all the way down, not knowing that, hey, you know, I can float. (laughs) So even if I try really hard, I'm not going to fall. Without giving away the whole book, do you want to share just a little bit about what made you so fearful of water from the early age? I personally did not have a problem with water. Uh, I never had like a near drowning experience or I never fell into a pool. I mean, nothing like that. But my mom did. 
And so often, one or two parents have a fear of water that is transferred to the child, which was my case. And then, of course, that also goes into this, this research that I've done on epigenetics. Epi means above the genome. I'm not an expert in this, but I do know that the science of genetics have found that there is a way that these chemicals that surround the genome can be changed through environmental changes, meaning I can rewrite a memory. One of the examples that I give in the book is this lady that I named Mary had a bad experience with an ice cream cone that just fell on her. So every time she went to a creamery, her lizard brain, her limbic brain would just remember, hey, you know, last time you were here, this whole thing spilled on you. And so the only way that you can reprogram yourself, if you will, or rewrite a story is that every time that she had a new ice cream cone, it was a pleasurable experience. And so all of a sudden, after you eat several cones where nothing happens, boom, her limbic brain is not sending all these caution that, hey, this is going to happen to you. So essentially, you can overwrite your experiences. The mind-body connection is so incredible. And there's just so much that we don't know about. But it's enough to know that we can pass fears from generation to generation. And the more you understand why you feel the way you feel, then you're better equipped to make a change and or make the right decision, whether it is, hey, I want I want to work on this and heal my fear or not. You know, it's it's really about how you feel regarding the phobia. Why is it important to share that story of your fears and overcoming the fear of swimming with others? I picked up some statistics. And one is that 60% of Americans are afraid of deep water and 45% are afraid of water over their heads. So that means there are many people that we know that have a fear of water, you know, at different levels. It's important that this book gets out there and the message gets out there that you don't have to live with a fear if you don't want to. You, you just don't. It's amazing how when you start changing, it's a paradigm shift of thinking, hey, swimming is not about strokes. Swimming is about being able to get from here to there in a pool environment or the beach understanding how the water operates, understanding how your body operates in the water. Are you a horizontal floater or are you more of a vertical floater or do you not float? Because there are people that don't because they're so muscular that they just drop to the bottom. But those people can also learn how to swim and how to stay calm, how to stay in their body and be safe. That's pretty incredible, the differences and that you learned all about it and you overcame your fear, which is amazing. And the reason that you finally overcame your fear is because of a particular program that you went to? Yes, yes. Uh, it's called Miracle Swimming, and it was developed by a lady by the name of Melon Dash for fearful adults 
although anybody can that can understand all the dis- different aspects of the methodology can can then apply it. You know, I, I taught my grandkids how to swim. Each of them learned in a different way. And while I didn't have to explain to them how the methodology was working, I could transfer that information by example. To be 50 and just learning to swim and overcoming your fear is pretty miraculous. It is. And I became a water aerobics instructor, and then I became a swim instructor for fearful adults. It is called miracle swimming because it is a miracle. I can say that I've taught 17 people, afraid adults, that are now free in water. It's just an incredible feeling. And some of them have been in their early 80s. So age is no limit. It really is not a limit. We're all born swimmers. What that means is we all are born with the ability to swim. We just have to be able to find enough control in the water to do that. Saying a woman waited until she was 80 to overcome that fear made me think, I'm so lucky that my parents encouraged us to learn how to swim at an early age so that I didn't have that fear. Oh, yeah, yeah, you have to be very thankful. But think about all the people that don't have access to water. And a lot of times people in different ethnicities, they believe they can't swim, but it's not that they can't swim, it's that they've never been exposed to the water. And so here again is the epigenetics. Oh, my parents thought they couldn't swim. My great grandparents thought they couldn't swim. So all of a sudden, that's embedded into my psyche. I can't swim. That's not the case. Well, thank you for that. Let's go back to writing. I first met you through a writing program at the Bloomingdale Library. We were members in a writing group through the Bloomingdale Writers Connection. Would you like to add something about that experience and how that influenced your writing? Sure. So first of all, I had, I was keeping journals as I was going through my swim classes and I never thought that I was really going to write a book. I was just doing my journal. But at at one point in time, and I think it was after I came back from a snorkel trip in Indonesia with other afraid swimmers that had overcome their fear of water, I thought, you know what? Maybe I could turn these journals into a book. But I didn't know how to do that because that's very different from writing, hey, a science fiction story about Cassandra. This is almost like memoir writing. This is like an informational book or not a how-to, but an informational book. Thinking about that, it sort of went to the back of the stove. I didn't do anything about it. I had the journals. I found out through a friend about life story writing and I took the 10-week course and my goodness, that made the difference. It was like, I know exactly what I have to do. I need to take every step that I took, whether it was to overcome the fear of water or to get better with my fear of heights was to write it in these very short story types, chapters that would then showcase the way I moved from a person with a water phobia 
and acrophobia to a person that could ski, snow ski, not water ski. <laughs> Many thanks to the life story writing because because of, of that experience, I was able to then just immediately think of how I could put together this book. How did you learn how to publish it? What was the learning curve there? I don't think it was steep, but it was understanding how self-publishing works. I, I have published through Amazon, which is the most popular medium. I don't know. It was just a little bit of research that I had to do, but, you know, formatting a book is difficult. So all those years of doing technical writing really helped me. All right. If you ever have worked with Word, there are certain stops at tab signs that you have to, to have. A chapter starts, you know, like a one third down from the page. You know, there's all this criteria that has to be followed so that the book that you're publishing doesn't look like it was quote unquote homemade. You want to put the best product out there. It just took a little bit of figuring it out. And I also, as you know, I create my own book covers. That's my creative part coming in. Uh, I'm a watercolorist and I've learned technically Photoshop and how to create book covers. The interesting story behind that is that I I had this picture of myself swimming at Brandon Swim Club, which now has a different name. And so I really wanted that to be the book cover. And so I made that the first book cover. And then I had someone tell me, you know, it's pretty scary for a person to look at your book cover and actually open it and read it. Because if I'm scared, that's just too much for me. And it was like, Oh my goodness, I understand. So the second edition. What was scary about the first book cover? I was swimming and I had my face in the water. I was stroking the person that was afraid of water. That was just too much for them to look at. Amazing, huh? So the next one was a little bit more lively. Okay, a couple of people on a raft and then someone else said, well, I thought the book was about something else, you know. I said, okay, fine. So I, I had to really think through what this last cover was going to be like because I've translated the book into Spanish. And by the way, I, I have this editor in Mexico, Margarita Calleja, who has done an incredible job with the book. It is beautiful. It just sounds really beautiful. In wanting to put out the second edition of the English version in Spanish, there was this picture from the very first class that I took. And not the first swim class that I took, but the first miracle swimming class that I took. It was at the end of the week. I was really happy. I had my goggles on. You know, I had a thumbs up. And I've had that picture forever. And then the other day I said, oh my goodness. This is the picture that has to be in the cover because it shows me happy. I'm really happy with the cover. And so I'm going to have the English version now has a few more stories in that links in my fear of heights and how that has been improved. The Spanish version of the second edition. And then I'm going to also publish a dual language book, which will have both the English and Spanish. 
I really had a question to my editor regarding the Spanish title, which is, you know, now I swim, but I thought, yeah, it sounds kind of weird, which is ahora yo nado. So now I swim. And I said to her, well, how about I swim? And she said, no, 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 you have to leave the I in there because that's what makes it really important. Because it's your story. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's been a process of perfecting it and getting it out there. And for those who don't know, but you did say you were born in Cuba, so Spanish was your first language. Mm-hmm. My mother tongue. You do speak both languages fluently, maybe one better than the other. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> we want people to be aware that this book is out there, and we'll definitely have it on the website with a link and people can purchase oh, it. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll put it on Facebook. My plan is to have it available in April of this year, all of them, the different versions in both languages. I'm pretty excited about this publishing because I know that getting it in Spanish, you know, is going to reach more people. My goal is just to get the message out that you don't have to live with this phobia. You really really don't. It's an important message. Let's just switch for a minute because you also have, you're one of three other women. So there's four of you, the sisters, who put together an anthology. Can you speak a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. So last year, four of us got together, three of us that came out of the life story writing course, and then another lady who is a prolific writer, uh, Betty Viamontes, and, and she's also was awarded Hispanic Woman of the Year a couple of years ago. So each of us wrote our stories in memoir form, and uh, the title of the book is like Finding Water in the Desert, because these are four stories of very different women that overcame the status in life. That book has also been translated in, into Spanish, and we've sold just so many copies of the Spanish version also. And of course, you know, two of us are Cuban-born, and two have Puerto Rican ancestry. The thought was, here you have four women coming together that were raised in different environments and yet had the capacity to change your lives. We're pretty excited about this book because it's inspirational, hopefully not just for women, but, but also for men, that you can be successful. You, you really can, especially in the United States, a land of opportunity. I really enjoyed it. When it first came out, I got a copy and I recommend it. All four of you have a different voice in telling your story. Mm-hmm. And you all share from the early years to the present. What a journey for each one of you. Inspiring. Really. I mean, I, I look back and I go, wow, <laughs> and it's my own story. Not, not because, you know, of, of the way it was written, but just because of where I've landed. It was just a lot of hard work and a lot of goal setting and, and never, you know, never letting yourself just say, oh, no, I can't do this. You know? 
you are not one to say, I can't do this. You push and you want to learn and you want to get better. Look at how you taught yourself to swim, let go of the fear and then publish a book and then publish another book and start a podcast. And this is all after you're retired. Yeah, right. So I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but I'm sure it's going to be something different. It's really wonderful. Anything else you would like people to know about you that you want to share? No, just the fact that you really don't have to live with a fear of water. The information is out there. Read the book. Google, go on the internet and find out about miracle swimming. Just enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. And know that it's never too late. That's right. Never too late. Can you give a quick synopsis about the podcast, The Green Plantain? Oh, The Green Plantain. They're stories of Cubans living on the island and those that have made their home in other parts of the world as part of the Cuban diaspora. And people can find you on any podcast platform out there. Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud. Susanna, this was wonderful. I want to thank you for sharing. And who knows, maybe we'll see you again. Thank you, Mona, for inviting me to share my story on your podcast. It's been really fun. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, I would appreciate your sharing this podcast with your friends and family. If you are on Instagram, please click to follow me. If you're listening on SoundCloud, give me a thumbs up and leave a comment. I have noticed when people search for this podcast, sometimes you type in the whole title and sometimes just A to Z with Mona P. Remember, I am always looking for new and interesting people to interview. If you would like to share a part of your life, please contact me. Everyone has a story to tell. The next episode will be available in two weeks, usually on a Monday. Till next time, this is Stories from A to Z with Mona P.